This is an AMI podcast. I want to acknowledge that this podcast is produced and hosted on the unceded territories of the Squamish, the Musqueam, and the Tsleil-Waututh First Peoples. This is colonially known as Vancouver, British Columbia. I recently learned that 95% of British Columbia is on unceded traditional First Nations territory. There are no treaties. Unceded means that First Nations people never ceded or legally signed away their lands to the Crown or to Canada. These are stolen lands. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Accessing Art with Amy. I'm your host, Amy Amanti. My pronouns are she, her. What can I tell you about Connor? I first learned of Connor last year, roughly the spring of 2021. He and his creative team of this show called Built Different had performed at the Fringe Festival on Vancouver Island and had made quite an impression on a theatre colleague of mine. And almost a year to the day of learning about Connor and Built Different, I was proud to be a part of bringing it to the 2022 Revolver Festival here in Vancouver, including a relaxed performance. Connor really needs no introduction. He is fast making a name for himself, pushing for representation of autistic people on Canadian stages. So let's not wait a moment longer to talk to Connor. Let's give Connor a very big welcome. Hello, I am Connor Runnings and I use he, him pronouns. I am an autistic writer and performer based in Victoria, but brought to you today from Laskiti Island, BC. Connor, it's so lovely to have you on the podcast. Thank you for agreeing to be a guest. Thank you for having me. It's always great to talk to you here. Maybe we can start just by talking a little bit about what it is that got you into writing. Okay. I always feel like I had a passion for creativity when I was a kid, drawing, writing, acting. I don't know. And I felt like I grew up in an environment that was very encouraging of that, to just like create as much as stuff as possible. And like, I was a pretty introverted kid too. So this was kind of how I processed the world a lot of the time. Yeah, just writing and watching movies and TV and kind of using them to translate to like actual lessons one can learn in the world. Yeah, there's a lot we can learn about storytelling from, you know, books and movies and all sorts of different things. Yeah, completely. Is there something about your experience being autistic that you find the storytelling aspect really engaging with? Or do you find that there are barriers along the way? To the actual storytelling itself, I don't know. I guess with the autism, a lot of the barriers are kind of in like communication with other people. But when I'm just kind of doing things by myself, it's kind of, I know what to do. I mean, you like bounce stuff off other people when you're writing, but more or less, you're kind of making most of the decisions for yourself and making sure their decisions you want to look back on and say like I'm glad I made that decision. I just try to be very conscious about whatever it is I'm trying to portray. Built different was definitely a subject that even though I had lived experience in it, it was definitely something I felt like I had to research and like seek out other people's experiences a bit more. 
because of like the variety of characters in it. And like, while you have all the ideas and the power, the outside world is kind of just how you relate those things and how you can make sure they are relatable. So I guess I do need that sort of reality check at times of other people, but but it's a balance and you have to learn to get used to it. Can you tell us a bit about the project Built Different? I wrote Built Different um, in the spring of 2021. It's this... Um, comedy drama about this group of autistic people who all had the same connection growing up and this person died and they're coming to this log cabin to mourn that person and we premiered it at the Nanaimo Fringe Festival summer 2021 and then more recently at the Revolver Festival in Vancouver June 2022. What was your process like? writing this story? Where did you get the idea from? And uh, who were the other people involved in it? Well, when I was a kid, I was in this group with other autistic children. It was we had like a sort of behavioral consultant, which is someone who kind of teaches like kids who might be neurodivergent, how it's like normally expected to interact with the world and how to do certain mm-hmm. things manually that a lot of neurotypical people like take for granted or do automatically, like being able to like call someone for pizza or something. Or we learned we learned how to do stuff like that. And it was kind of it just struck me as like this weird subworld that a lot of people don't really get the chance to see. And I wanted to kind of talk about it through the lens of like where I'm at now and what like autistic people my age are going through. It's I feel like it's seen often like as a children's thing through adults, but like you grew up with it and it stays with you. And I kind of just wanted to portray how it's treated as children feeds into how they act as adults. And was the death something that happened in real life? I did have a death, kind of like in the same region of time, but it wasn't my behavioral consultant. It was um, my creative writing teacher. Right. So I kind of channeled stuff from that into this. And yeah. Yeah. So that sounds like it's an interesting process to take stuff that you know, to write what you know, um, because obviously I think we feel comfortable writing things that we know and we understand. Definitely. Who were some of the other folks that were supporting you in this work? Well, when it got selected for Fringe Festival, I had done something for them the previous year, but since COVID kind of screwed the whole lottery mm-hmm. system up, all the people who were selected for the year before were brought back for like 2021 and I was one of those people so I used that to um to show built different and yeah I had my wonderful cast and crew Sam Call our director Chris Carter our stage manager Brandon Call our ASM and then the other actors um Jesse Wilson Megan Soloway and Adrian Kennedy and then our mentoring producer Tamara McCarthy who was kind of able to take a lot of the stuff that 
we're all kind of starting out and none of us knew how to like really produce or do anything with money. So we kind of just learned how to do all the like adult, like producing aspects of everything through like Mm -hmm. mentorship. It's a tricky thing. You do not expect to have to communicate with as many people as you do in the theater. And you expect (laughs) to talk to a lot. There are lots of moving parts, right? Lots of things that a person doesn't know when you just want to focus on making the work. Totally. And what is it that you would like people to know about this story? Like, why was it important for you to share this story? I guess because I feel like a lot of people treat the autistic experience like it's only something that can be lived sort of one way or like the outside world kind of has like a one-dimensional view of it at times so I wanted to like the entire cast and characters themselves are autistic and they're all like very distinctly different from each other and like everything about them so I just kind of wanted to show like variety and like maybe surprise some people and confront their like biases and preconceived notions And just walk away with something new to chew on. What kind of feedback have you been getting after people have seen Built Different? Um, there's no way to say overwhelmingly positive without having it sound like some kind of humble brag. (laughs) But, but the amount that people have been... Humble brag away, my friend. But yeah, the amount people have been responding to it is kind of insane. Like we had a few people come up to us after one of the shows at Revolver and talk about just like how much the show meant to them, how much it uncovered some stuff that they were trying to put into words. Whenever there's something that like people have been wanting to say, but couldn't quite put into words. Right. And you have something that kind of gives that to them. Like, I think like me and my team were there and we were like all taking like our thank yous. And that means a lot to me. But then like when they left, we're just like, oh my God, is this why we do it or what? What do you think is next for Built Different or for you as an artist? Are you writing some more things? Well, as for Built Different, I've still been kind of sitting on it for the last little while. I want to make sure the next time we put it like into something or that we're like ready to start it up again that everything's in the right place and I want to spend some time like having some conversations with some people talking trying to make this thing the best it can I'm actually going to an access impact mentorship meeting in a few days with Tamara and Sean Enns to talk about just like different ways we can make theater accessible to people who have disabilities and all the cast and crew will be there or well, people in the cast and crew Mm -hmm. will be there. And I'm going to try and pitch some things, start getting the conversation going again, because yeah, as much as it's something that like, I want to write other stuff too. I have other ideas that I'm kind of, trying to get onto paper and just conceptualize and think about. But Built Difference, something that's always going to be kind of going in some way or another, even just in the background. When you 
shared built different at the revolver festival this year you also had a relaxed performance mm. can you tell us a little bit about that experience because i think it was the first time that that your team had experienced that oh yeah completely like i'm like honestly a total noob when it comes to like a lot of theater community traditions and customs and whatnot and yeah the relaxed performance was pretty new to me it's a pretty new thing it's just a lot of neurodivergent people have like sensitivities to like light or sound which can make the theater experience a bit overwhelming and a heart and like inaccessible Mm -hmm. so the relaxed performances we have the house lights on people can go on their phones if they need to we had like a relaxation station outside if people needed to leave and like warm up and come back. There's less expectation on the audience to sit and focus all the time. Right. And like active listening is definitely a way you can show that you're like listening fully, but it's not like the only way. I think sometimes people are listening. They just need to feed this other side of themselves too, to like soothe themselves. And that's totally fair and valid. And we wanted to accommodate the people who wouldn't have been able to come to the theater otherwise. Also, it's kind of our demographic. So we'd have been stupid not to. Yeah, one of my friends uh, went to the relaxed performance and she was able to bring, she's autistic and she was able to bring her knitting with her. And she said it really was helping her to be connected with the work in a different way, even though, you know, most folks would think that that's not being connected. But when you're managing anxiety and, um, and managing, you know, levels of stimulation, having that bit of a distraction can help you uh, focus better. Completely. I always feel like I have like a pen in my pocket to click or like a fidget spinner or something, or I'm tapping my leg, Mm -hmm. some kind of external, like pseudo stimming body thing to just like focus some parts of yourself. So you're able to divert your attention, like kind of, it's a happy medium. Did you find as a performer, Connor, that performing in front of an audience that wasn't sitting still was, I don't know, um, confusing for you all as artists, or did you just embrace it and, uh, and move forward for all the gifts that it can offer both the cast and the audience? Honestly, the hardest thing about the relaxed performance wasn't necessarily the audience. We were kind of used to like doing the same things the same way because we had been rehearsing for a while. And part of the relaxed performance also kind of bled into the performance was if there were scenes with like yelling or loud noises or unpredictability, they'd have to be toned down like at least like 10%. So there'd be no yelling, only talking Mm -hmm. firmly. There'd be no, and you'd kind of have to remember at times, but that also kind of made it a bit harder to pull the emotional punches So whenever there was a relaxed performance or when we were ever rehearsing for ones, those are like the ones where the emotions of the piece kind of hit us the hardest. It's a weird irony, but it happened. I also understand, too, that the characters, the actors came out before the show and introduced themselves uh, so that the audience knew that these were people playing make-believe, more or less, on stage, right? So that you kind of taken away that 
idea that this is uh, this is not a real this is not real life, you know, for some folks that aren't familiar with theater or need that extra reassurance. Yeah, no, it's true. I feel like for me, I think like everybody does kind of know they're all playing the characters because it's a play. But yeah, sometimes like for me, if I ever see someone in a show like Game of Thrones or The Boys being like a complete monster as a character, I'll like watch interviews of the actor afterwards to soothe myself like, oh, they're not such a bad person in real life. Yeah, you're breaking that fourth wall a little bit, making, I guess, the the real differentiation between who the person is in real life and who the person is as a character. Mm-hmm. Connor, I hear our magical sound, which tells me it's time to play the mixed bag. The mixed Are you bag. ready to answer a couple of questions? Okay, let's hear them. <laughs> All right, here are your questions, Connor. And I hopefully they're pretty easy for you. But the first question is, what's the movie that you just most recently watched? Most recently, that would be uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once by The Daniels. I cannot recommend it enough. It was one of the only movies I like made a point to see in the theaters more than once. It's like this really interesting multiversal movie. It like deals with a lot of concepts, but at the same time has a lot of emotion and heart to it. It's hard to sum up quickly, but just take my word for it. Awesome. You know, I hear lots of great things about this movie. Everything, everywhere, all at once, mm-hmm. right? That's what it's called? Yeah, it's been... After COVID and everything, I think people needed something to make them feel like good about the world again, or like they could feel good about the world again. And it's something that it's definitely something to watch if you want to have that hope. I'm going to put it on my watch list for sure. Awesome. Uh, Your next question, Connor, is what is your favorite hobby or pastime? Okay. Um, I draw a lot. Um, I don't really draw very good at all, but since I like to do so many things professionally in a creative sense, or creatively in a professional sense, I like to have it be the one thing I don't put any pressure on myself to be good at and just try to have fun while I'm doing it, you know? Mm, I love that. That's a great... I like to doodle too, but as a as a person that is missing a lot of my sight, <laughs> once the pen or the pencil or whatever it is comes off the page, I can't put it back on in the same spot. Oh, no. So I try and doodle something in a, with one, yeah, one connected line. So it, it's pretty messy looking. And I've got one last question for you, Connor. If you could be any animal in the world, what animal would it be? Um, a mantis shrimp. Because they see three times as many colors as us. The rainbow spectrum is just insane. Really? And also, they're like one of the most quick and deadly alpha predators in the ocean. Like, their jet streams literally kill fish. It's insane. If you want to, like, feel safe and at the top of a food chain, but still have a trippy experience as an animal, mantis shrimp. I had never heard of a mantis shrimp before. So that is very cool. Thank you for sharing. You're welcome. All right, Connor, we've come to the end. Time flies by really fast. If folks want to connect with you, how can they do that? My Instagram is Connor Run, C-O-N-N-O-R-R-U-N-N. 
And then my Facebook is just my name, Connor Runnings. Connor Runnings. Awesome. Thank you, Connor. It's been a real pleasure having you on the podcast. It's been a pleasure being on it. Yeah, I'm sure there's lots of exciting things next to come for you. So keep us posted. Will do. Talk to you later, Amy. Before I let you go, I want to share with you this quote of the day by Dr. Temple Grandin. The most interesting people you'll find are the ones that don't fit into your average cardboard box. They'll make what they need. They'll make their own boxes. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to Accessing Art with Amy. This podcast is produced by me, Amy Amanti, technical production by Jacob Shymansky, and the manager of AMI-audio is Andy Frank. We love to hear your feedback, so if you have any for us, you can reach us in two ways. You can call us at 1-866-509-4545 or reach us by email at feedback at ami.ca. Thanks again to my guest today, Connor Runnings. Keep exploring. See you next time. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.